up this morning. All right. Thanks, Gabe. Gabe failed to mention that him and I almost got in a fight the other day uh, playing basketball in the morning together. So we'll leave that one out. Good morning. As Gabe mentioned, my name is Tim Conway, and our pastor, Mike Plunkett, is away right now. Uh, he is uh, probably on a beach right now in California, so. But you guys get holy points, because it's Memorial Day and you're here, so, you know, good job. Um, so, yeah, Mike and his, uh, Pastor Mike and his wife, Pastor Lisa, they are out in California right now, enjoying a little bit of a vacation, coupled with the General Council, which is the, uh, the National Council or National Conference for the CMA. So I get the privilege of being here today for this service. So I'm really excited. Um, <clears throat> you know, when, when Mike asked me if I would be willing to fill in, if I would, if I would be willing to accept the, this opportunity to, to preach, I was, I was very excited. It was something that I was really looking forward to, eager to. When I realized it was Pentecost Sunday, I was really excited. <laughs> so those of you that don't know, don't know or unaware, today is Pentecost Sunday. So uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty ecstatic about this. Uh, this is something that I'm really passionate about, uh, something that I absolutely love talking about, sharing with you guys, um, and, and just um, the, the idea of the Holy Spirit, the idea of the power of the Holy Spirit coming. It's something that really uh, is, is a huge passion of mine in my life. Um, I think it might be important just to share a little bit about me, more so in the past, uh, to give you guys a little bit of perspective uh, for why this is such a passion for me. Now, growing up, I was, um, uh, first of all, I grew up in the greater Boston area, which those of you who aren't quite familiar with that, go, <laughs> I'll receive that. Uh, so those of you that are not familiar with the, the Boston area, it is a very, spiritually speaking at least, conservative uh, area. It's very heavily influenced by Catholicism, um, and, and that's just kind of the, the demographic and the, and the uh, environment around there. Now, couple that with who I am, who my personality is, who my personality was. Um, growing up for the first 20-some-odd years of my life, very independent, uh, very self-motivated person, uh, very, uh, uh, even quite successful in a few things that I put my hands to. Um, uh, dare I say also very prideful, uh, very uh, arrogant uh, in many ways. Whoever laughed, you know, thank you for that, appreciate it. Um, but I grew up my life as that kind of person. And uh, also on top of that, I had a, a worldview that had very solid uh, boundaries. I had a theology, I guess you could say as well, that had very solid boundaries. That's not a good thing. I'm getting there. But it was very much contained. And so anything that didn't fit what was my, my, my set, which was my box, my boundary, whatever you want to call it, I dismissed it. I dismissed it. That's hocus pocus. That's not of me. That's not for me. That can't be real. That's not in the scripture. Or maybe it's in the scripture, but it's not for today. It's not for me today. Um, and so that's how I grew up. So if you couple those three things, where I grew up, the environment I grew up in, also with just my, my pure personality, as well as my worldview and my theology and all that, uh, you could probably all finish this story 
I was a train wreck waiting to happen. <laughs> and uh, so maybe that, maybe you guys, some of you can relate to that. So basically, 20 some odd years of my life, and uh, this guy, this young man, met failure. He met loss and pain and heartache, a lot of shame, coupled with some guilt sprinkled on top. And uh, I got put in a place from, from the wisdom of God. He allowed this to happen so that I would be desperate, so that I would be hungry to learn about his Holy Spirit, his promise, his, his uh, presence in my life. So I started, I started after 20 some odd years of my life, I started questioning, what is, this, what is this Holy Spirit? Who is this Holy Spirit? What role does he have in my life? What are the promises of God? What's my role? So I started this journey. I started this journey of trying to discover and trying to figure out all those questions that I just asked. And um, so that's why I'm excited. That's why I share a little bit about, about me. And that's why I'm so passionate about this. That's why I love talking about Pentecost Sunday and the Holy Spirit and everything that comes with being filled, having the Holy Spirit indwell in us and having power come for us to, to live in the calling that we have. Because I don't want to live, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to live in my filling. I don't want to live in your filling for me. I want to live in the filling of the one who calls me. And so that's what Pentecost is about, right? So Pentecost is, is the promise. So we have a promise that I will send my presence, my Holy Spirit. Pentecost Sunday is when the, the Holy Spirit comes, when the power comes, when the, disciple, the disciples and, and, and those with them are filled with the Holy Spirit to live out their calling. And man, they, they had a calling, huh? Their calling was to sustain. Their calling was to hold firm to the gospel message. Lord, Jesus had gone to sit at the right hand of God, and he sent his Holy Spirit and the gospel. There was no Bible at that time, so the disciples were empowered to live out their calling to sustain the gospel message. So that's the Pentecost. That's why we're here today a little bit to talk about this. Um, So I'm excited. Hopefully you guys are excited with me. Um, so we're going to read, uh, we're going to read this and, and before y'all get up and leave me, because this is a bit lengthy and wordy, tried to cut some stuff out, but it just wasn't possible for what I was trying to get across. So, um, I'm just going to warn you so that you don't doze off after two slides. We got five slides to read here. So you guys take some couple breaths, maybe drink a sip of water if you need it, but, uh, we got five slides to read through and they are jam packed. So... They're not a couple words on each slide. So we got five slides. So let me tell you why we got five slides. So uh, we reference Acts, too, for the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit for the, for the Pentecost Sunday. And, uh, but I want to start at Acts 1. I'm going to start at Acts 1. Uh, I think it's 1 through 13. It's the first section of Acts. And it's basically setting up Acts 2. It's helping us get a perspective of what Jesus is commanding uh, before he leaves. So we're going to read the, the beginning of Acts, and then we're going to read Acts 2, just the first section of it, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit, which is the Pentecost Sunday, as well as leading into uh, Peter's anointing to preach and his sharing of the prophecy of Joel. So uh, if you guys will take a breath, take a sip, and uh, read with me the, Lord, the Lord's word. Here we go. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven 
after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, What happened? Bear with me. We're missing a slide, guys. All right, verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated the Spirit began to speak in other tongues at the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under earth. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language after spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own language? Parthians, Meds, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Crete, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
You guys did well. Let us pray. Father, we, we claim this word to be true today, Lord. God, we ask for your presence, your manifest presence, to come today, come now. We invite you, not only corporately in this church, in this body, Lord, but we, we invite you in an individualized way, in an intimate way, to reside and come in to each one of us, Lord. For as I said before, none of us want to go about our calling without being filled by the one who calls us. So God, will you remove the veil that we have that limits us, the veil of doubt? Father, remove the veil that is blocking us from you, Lord. Father, I, I also ask that you, you uh, show us and you, and, you, and you show us the hidden sin that is blocking us from you, Lord so that we, we will be filled, Lord, so that we can pour out ourselves so that you can pour into us, God. So God, as we look at your word today, I just pray that you, you come in such a thick and tangible way, Lord. And we do this all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we read this scripture, uh, I, I often uh, think that there's two kind of main responses. doesn't necessarily mean they're the only two responses, but there's two main responses that we get from people when we're taking a look at uh, the Pentecost and the filling of the Holy Spirit. The first person, the first type of person that we see often is one who looks at this, one who, who reads this, and they get overwhelmed, and they get uh, overwhelmed by the foreignness of it or the, uh, just, just the idea that they have no idea how to grapple with it. They have no idea how to receive it, wrap their hands around it, and they just, they just kind of sometimes give up. It doesn't mean this person doesn't want it. This person could very well want the Holy Spirit. Maybe he or she is looking around in a church setting during worship and sees some folks over here or some folks over here and says, man, they have something different. I want it. So it definitely doesn't mean that they don't want it. Maybe they just don't know how to go about it. Maybe they don't know how to, to uh, put themselves in a place to receive the Holy Spirit. That's one person that we often uh, take a look at when we're talking about Pentecost Sunday and being filled with the Spirit. Now, the second person, I'm sure there's nobody in this room that is this person, uh, the second person is one who gets it, and they run with it. Um, they understand it, they get it, they run with it, but then they keep running with it, and they keep running with it, and then there's a little bit of a U-turn, there's a little bit of a, a change of direction, and all of a sudden that running with that turns inward a little bit, starts becoming about them, their focus changes, their purpose changes. They stop saying, Lord, may I be filled with you so I can fulfill my calling. And they start saying something like, well, I am doing my calling and, and I am making this happen and all of that. So there's two people that we often look at. Once again, it doesn't mean there's not anybody else, but those are two very common things. I don't know if that sticks with any of you guys here, but if it does journey with me because I think we're going to uh, get some good stuff out of this today. Now, um, as I mentioned to you, probably eight or nine years ago in that, in that range, that's really when I started this journey uh, uh, by myself uh, with the Holy Spirit, learning about the Holy Spirit and really discovering and, and trying to understand all those questions that I, I stated a couple minutes ago about who is this 
who is this being? Who is the Holy Spirit? And, and what promises are given to me? And, and what is my identity and all that? Now, I've got a quick little story for you. About eight or nine years ago, when uh, this journey started, I was a part of a ministry uh, with a, a few folks that um, was pretty intimate. It was probably uh, five, six, maybe seven people. And we were gathering in the beginning of this ministry, and we were gathering together uh, one night, and we were worshiping, and we were praying, and I'm pretty sure I was, I was leading the worship, and it was a really sweet time. The int- intimacy of the Lord came, and um, the room was just filled with the Holy Spirit, and it was awesome. It was really, really an awesome time, and so we were going in and out, some, some worship, spontaneous, some praying back and forth through the cycle, and kind of came to an end there of, of the time, and we started just having a conversation. And like I said, we were an intimate group, only a couple folks, and I was the new one to the group. Uh, they all knew each other. I didn't really know anybody. I just got to know them all. And so the conversation turned on me a little bit, trying to get to know me. They were all asking questions about me and, and just uh, seeing who I was. And so one question was asked to me. One question was asked, have you been baptized? Pretty simple question, right? Have you been baptized? And so here I am over here responding to the question. Why, sure, of course, I was baptized. I think I was about 16 years old. Uh, You know, my father baptized me. Another guy who was like a fatherly figure to me baptized me. It was probably 82 degrees out. It was July at 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 a barbecue. You know, so I went down this whole little descriptive of it, came to the end of my little description of, once again, have you been baptized? Pretty simple question. And finished my descriptive. And so this guy over here looks at me and goes, no, son, have you been baptized with fire? <laughs> One more time. Have you been baptized with fire? Now let me take a time out, just a second. <laughs> My wife, Danielle, tells me that I am awful at mimicking people's voices. <laughs> I think I'm pretty good, right? So, so back in. So have you been baptized with fire? So here I am over here. Just finishing my description of being baptized by my father and how cool of an experience it was and all this. And so now I just get this question posed to me, and I was, I don't know, 20, 21, 22, something like that. And I just start thinking, wheels are turning in my head. Well, when was that one time that fire came? And No, I don't think, I don't think I've been baptized by fire, you know? And a, shame, a bit of a shame came over me, to be honest, because this is when I was journeying, I, beginning my journey about the Holy Spirit. And I knew, what he, I knew what he was getting at to a degree, but I'm just thinking, no, I don't think fire's ever, you know, come and, you know, all that stuff. And I was trying to think of one moment. I didn't understand it, but I was just, there's got to maybe one. And I said, no. All right, that's the end of the story. So is there anything wrong with this theologically sound? No, there's really not. Maybe you could nitpick it a little. There's really nothing wrong with it. But what's my point? Why do I share such a silly story? Folks, we overcomplicate this sometimes so much. The church overcomplicates the presence of the Holy Spirit so much. Sure, we have different cultures. Sure, we have different uh, personalities that understand things. But guys, we overcomplicate this. This is not a complicated situation. It's important. It's important. It's a fundamental element to our faith, but it's not as complicated as we make it sometimes. So 
that's my journey today with you guys. I, I want us to, to go through this, and I hope that, me included, all of us can come at the end of this and say, I need more of the Holy Spirit. And not only do I need more, but I am one who can receive the Holy Spirit, and I am one that's made to receive the Holy Spirit. All right, so let's, let's take a look at, at what we're talking about today and, and the scripture that we have. So the first thing that I want to take a look at is kind of a dual thing, God's promise and our identity. I think it all starts with that. Now, over the last six, uh, six, month, uh, six weeks, excuse me, Pastor Mike has led us through uh, ask, seek, knock, right? Most of you guys have probably heard most of those. If you're on live stream, uh, hopefully you've heard of them. Uh, where's Gabe? Gabe will love this. We'll do a little plug for our, our website. If you haven't heard it, go to our website and listen to it, podcast, iTunes, all the above. It's great. But he has led us through this series for six weeks. And there was one thing, there's many things that were awesome, but there was one thing that really stuck with me, and I think it applies to today. It applies to being filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's our identity. And so if you guys can recall, Pastor Mike was leading us through um, the fact that we are not tenants. We do not pay rent as, as, as our identity, yet we are sons and we are daughters of the great high king, the great Lord Jesus Christ. And so it all starts with that, folks. It all starts with that. You know, he, he loves us so much. He loves you so much. You know, I have two little kids, and I love those guys so much. I love my little babies so much. Don't mess with my babies because I love them. And, you know, I also, I also love some kids that are at this church, too. I have a, a niece. I have another niece. I have a couple nephews. And I love those kids, too. I have a couple friends in here that are very dear friends to me. They have kids. I love those kids. But, man, they, they aren't my kids, and I don't love them like I love my kids. Now, I do have some friends that have their own kids, and they have adopted, and they love their, their adopted kids like they love their own kids. And I don't have any adopted kids, and I don't really have a tangible thing to relate to that, but I do know how much I love my kids. And so the scripture says that the Lord loves us as he loves Jesus. And so if we are sons and daughters, and we claim that identity, and we understand how much we are loved by the Lord, that changes everything. That changes our perspective. That changes the way we go about life. That changes the way that we think. That changes the way we pray, as Pastor Mike just led us through that. So being filled with the Holy Spirit, once again, just like ask, seek, knock, just like being, being uh, 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 in the Lord's prayer of our Father, it all starts with that. We have to start with what our identity is, and that is one that is beloved by the King, by the Lord, and one who is a son and daughter, and not just a regular person on the sidelines. And so when we come into a relationship with Christ, when we come into a place where we give our hearts to the Lord, and we confess our sins, and we repent, and we turn from our ways, and we look to Jesus, and we receive Jesus, the scripture says in Ephesians, we are sealed, we are stamped with the Holy Spirit. It also goes on to say that we are guaranteed an inheritance from the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And so that's important, folks. That's important to know. Not only are we sons and daughters, not only are we loved, but it is instantaneous. 
instantaneous when we give our lives to God. So if, you are, if you're in this room and you've given your life to God, let me tell you something. If, if you don't know, you have the Holy Spirit in you instantaneously when you give your life to God. And if you haven't, if you're sitting in this room and you haven't given your life to Christ, let me tell you, it doesn't take anything to do it. It just takes you to say, God, just like I was when I had tried all on my own and I tried on my independence and all that stuff and it didn't work out for me and I turned and I said, God, it's not working for me. It's not working for me. I, I, I need something different. I need something different. You can do that today. And folks, wherever you were when you gave your life to Christ, whether you're in the, in the front seat of a car or in a bedroom or in a dorm room or in a, ca- a cafe, Folks, the Holy Spirit came on you instantaneously when you gave your life to Christ. And so if you have the Holy Spirit in you, as we see in the, first, the fourth bullet point there, John 14, 12 says, those who have faith in him will do greater things. We're talking about Jesus here. Those who have faith in him will do greater things than even Jesus did. Let's talk about Jesus for a second, right? Jesus healed, Jesus brought life to death. Blind eyes would see. This is Jesus, and he says that we will do greater things than even he did. And why? How? Because we have the Holy Spirit. We have his promise living in us, folks. We have his promise of of the Father that as I go, I will send my, my, my Holy Spirit to you to indwell in your heart. And so if you're here today, if you're sitting here and you got a busted marriage, you got busted relationships, whatever it is that's busted, broken, not well, folks, you have a healer inside of you. You have a healer that, that lives in you and actually enjoys healing. He enjoys fixing what is broken. He enjoys bringing life to what is dead. So if you have one of, one of those things that I just said or anything else, a broken or busted marriage or, or a relationship or, or, or a calling that is lost and broken and, and you don't know what's going on in your life, you have something that all you have to do is, is look inside of you and say, Jesus, you're in me and will you... Will you Will you do what you promise? Because once again, I don't want to go about life being filled by myself or of you or of anybody else, but I want to be filled with the one who calls me. Because he who calls me will fill me to do what I am called to do. But I can't do that. I'm not going to fill myself up to perform what I'm called to do. Folks, we got to start with our identity, who we are. It all comes back to our Father. It's the start of the Lord's Prayer. It's the start of my, my teaching today. you got to know that you are a son and you are a daughter. And so there's no groveling. There's no groveling. Pastor Mike always says um, you can knock on, on the king's door at midnight for water, and he will give it to you. But not just an ordinary folk could knock on a king's door and ask for water at midnight, he's going to kick him out. He's going to lock the door, right? He's not going to get up for somebody, but he is going to get up for a son and a daughter. So, so why are we groveling? You know, I got a silly little story here. 
uh, Gabe shared uh, my profession. Hopefully you guys don't hold it against me, but I, I work in banking. Um, I am a manager of, uh, of, uh, of, of a bank right now. Um, let me tell you what being a manager of a bank is. <laughs> I'm a glorified problem solver. 95% of my job is dealing with issues. Got some interactions going on with another one of my bankers or one of my tellers. Gets a little heated. It's always about money. So it always, people and money is a bad, bad mix. I don't know why I went into that profession, but people and money is never good. So you got interactions with a banker. You got interactions with the teller. Issues arise. Oh, go see the manager. He's over there. You know, go see. And that's all I do. That's about 90, 95% of my job. And so let me tell you guys, there's one thing that, that bugs the crap out of this. There's one thing that really <laughs> drives me nuts. I'm sure you all have in your profession something that drives you nuts. Most of us work with people, so therefore we're going to have something that drives us nuts. But the one thing that drives me really more up a wall than anything is when I get a customer that comes in and wants, dare I say, demands something that they don't deserve, whether that's a, a, a hundreds of dollars of fees because of their own ignorance or whatever. But one of them in particular, if I'm going to break this down even more, I might have to describe banking a bit, but we'll get there first. I can't stand when somebody comes in with a large check, let's just call it $10,000, and they want to cash that on the spot, and so we look at their account, they got 20 bucks in their account. You got 20 bucks in your account, and you want me to cash and wa- let you walk out with 10,000 bucks? No way. No way. So let me describe some technicalities here before I continue. If somebody wants to cash a check, one of two things have to happen. Number one, it has to be a check made from my bank so I can verify that there's funds in it. If it's not a check, number two, I, as the manager, have to sign that check and put my job on the line to say, sure, I'll put my job on the line for you and your 20 bucks so you can walk out with $10,000. Those are the only two ways, just in case nobody knew how banking works. (laughs) Now you're going to all go to the manager when you have a check that needs to cash and do your little pity story. So anyway, so, so that's one thing that drives me nuts is when somebody comes and wants that. Now, let me tell you something that happened. I think it was three weeks ago now. It was on a Friday afternoon. It was, it was late. It was probably 3.30, 4 o'clock. It was just, just kind of a strange, strange thing. A gentleman walks into the bank. I have no idea who he is. Never seen him before. He walks into the bank. He bypasses the tellers and comes right to my desk. Sits down. Really didn't even invite him in. <laughs> just sits down. <laughs> he starts talking to me. It's Friday afternoon, right? Starts talking to me. Oh, what are you going to do this weekend? Starts buttering me up. So, what's you got any plans for this weekend? Oh, it's a beautiful day. I think it's supposed to be beautiful tomorrow. You know, are you married? Do you have any kids? What are you, you going to take them to the park? I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> getting buttered, getting buttered up for something here. About four or five minutes goes on, and um, I'm like, all right, I got, I got stuff to do. I got to clean this up. I got, I got to finish this. So, sir, what can I do for you today? And lo and behold, what does he pull? He pulls out a check, right? So I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. All right, I got buttered up. He's about to ask something ridiculous of me. Pulls out a $8,000 check. And he goes, I know how this works. I think I, well, he didn't say I think, but he, he thought he knew how it works. He goes, I know how this works. I need you to authorize this for me because I really need this $8,000. And so I got to at least go through the process before I just kick him out, right? So I, I take the check take his account number, type it in my computer, take a look at it, 
take a look at a few things. He's been with us for a long time, so I'm starting thinking like, all right, how am I going to diffuse this when I say no? Look at a bunch of things. But then I come to the, the account balance. He's got $175,000 with us. He's got $175,000. Why is he coming to me buttering me up? So I say, sir, are you aware that you have $175,000 with us? And he goes, yeah, well, I don't really want to use that. You know, I need this cash from this check. And I go, sir, just so you know, if you have that or greater amounts, you don't need my authorization. You don't need me to sign this. You're free to walk up to the tellers right now and claim what's yours. So folks, why are we begging? Why are we pleading with the Holy Spirit to do something that he's already promised us? He's already given it to us. Yet here we are on our knees, on our hands and knees, groveling, doing these fancy prayers saying, oh, just, if you just come, if you just, just fill me, if you just, folks, you're filled. <laughs> folks, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Stop groveling with the bank manager for a cash check. We got $175,000 on account. Probably got more than that. We probably got a couple billion bucks on account with the Lord, right? We've been stamped with the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance. Let's go forward. I talked about the first one here, God's promise and our identity. That's, that's the first thing. Now it's God's calling in our role. What is God calling us to? What's our role in this calling? Number one, respond to his call. Scripture says that you are to repent. You are to ask for forgiveness. That's step one, guys. That's step one. And bother him. Don't stop. That's what Luke 11 talks about. It talks about you are to ask, you are to seek, you are to knock, you are to continuously go to your father. I told you guys I have little kids, right? Talk about my son for a second, Lucas. I love that, love that boy very much. Sometimes he can be really annoying, though. <laughs> Sometimes pulling on the little sleeve, pulling on the, the pant leg. Daddy, 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 I want. He loves orange juice. Orange juice. Orange juice, you know, he, he, he pleads with me until he gets it, you know? He pleads until he gets it. That's, that's what we got to be doing, guys. That's what we got to be doing. And then Ephesians 5, I'll give another little plug for the men's Bible study. We, uh, those of you here that were part of the men's Bible study, we just finished up in Ephesians 5, or we just finished up in Ephesians, and in Ephesians 5, it says, be filled, and if you break that down and you understand it, there is two things that we need to get from that. Number one, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. Right. It's a command to be filled. As sons and daughters, we are to be filled as an instruction from our God. The second thing, I said there's two things. The second thing is there's an aspect, aspect of uh, be filled continuously. So sometimes we think, oh, well, we've been filled what did Tim talk about 10 minutes ago? I received Jesus as my Savior, and the Holy Spirit came in me and is indwelling in me. Guys, that's not it. That's not it. There's an aspect that we are to be filled continuously. So there's a, there's a revolving uh, personality. There's a revolving request. There's a revolving experience to be continuously filled. And once again, not a suggestion, folks. 
It is a command as believers, as sons and daughters, to be filled continuously. Now, the hard thing about that sometimes is, number three, is waiting. You know, we look at the scripture here in Acts, and uh, Jesus gave them a little bit of a, of a taste, right? Gave them a little bit of a taste of what was to come. But he said, hey, just hang out for a second. Just hang out for a minute over here. Be in community. Pray together. Just wait. Just wait. You know, when I get a taste of what God has for me, I'm usually running with it. Because I'm like, all right, well, you told me what it's going to be, so let's go. Here we go. But no, he gave him a little taste of it, and he said, no, hang out. Hang out for a minute. You know, and folks, that's hard to do. That's hard to wait. You know, once again, let's go back to my son. I love my son. So lots of stories about my son. My son loves cars, trains, anything that moves. He loves those things so much. He's playing with them all day. And so whenever we go to the, to the car, put them in the car seats, if we give him a little free rein, he'll go sit in the, in the driver's seat. He'll close the door behind him. And he'll just sit there. Nobody call anybody. The car's off. You know, there's nothing going on. But he sits there. He holds on to the steering wheel. He puts his little hand on the, on, the, on the clutch, and his feet are dangling off of the seat. He loves it. He loves it. And I love him, and I would give him anything. But, folks, I'm not giving him the keys. I'm not giving the keys. That would be irresponsible, right? That would be irresponsible. So once again, I mean, sometimes God is teaching us something. Sometimes God is perfecting something in us. And yet, my son is three years old, yet we throw three-year-old tantrums when the Lord doesn't give us what we want, or even when he gives us a glimpse of something but then doesn't give it to us immediately, we throw three-year-old tantrums. And that's not what he's calling us to do. So no more three-year-old tantrums, guys. The last thing that I want to talk about as far as God's calling and our role is abandon your expectations of what it will look like. Now, this is huge, guys. This is huge. The scripture said that there was a sound of a rushing wind, and then there was tongues of fire, tongues like fire coming down. Now, if I was a part of that, I would probably be freaked out and get under a desk and do the stop, drop, and roll and say a tsunami's coming or something crazy's about to happen because my expectations, folks, are about this often. And so when you get your expectations filtered like, like uh, blinders on a horse, Picture it like this, guys. So your, your expectation is going on like this. So you're saying, okay, God, fill me, fill me. You're looking in this little realm. You're looking in this little, little, little window of a boat, and you're saying, fill me. And here, the, here they go. Here they go. They're going everywhere. And, but your blinders are on. You're saying, all right, I'm still waiting, Lord. Still waiting. Guys, our expectations are killing us. Our expectations are killing us because we're not... We're not when we, do, when we have expectations like that, that becomes about us. Because it becomes about us saying, okay, this is what I want to see it as, or this is what I know it as, so therefore it has to be like that. Guys, the Holy Spirit is unpredictable. Yeah. Gabe just led us in, in that song, and that was his prayer, that the Holy Spirit is unpredictable. So let's get rid of the blinders. Let's get rid of the aspect of saying, well, he's got to fit in this little understanding, this worldview. And that's not the case. Guys, got to abandon those expectations, and your prayer, your heart, your positioning has to be one of, God, will you fill me as your will is? Not as mine is. Mike often says, Holy Spirit's not in the game of resourcing our agenda. 
So it can't be our agenda that is the focus point. It's got to be the agenda of the Holy Spirit. It's got to be the agenda of the Lord, of Jesus Christ. And we have to align ourselves. So what is our role? We have to align ourselves with the agenda of him. Once again, I don't want to live by my filling. I want to live by he who calls me because he who calls me will fill me to do what he calls me to do. And so when we look at continuously living in the spirit, John 15 says, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. We have to shift our focus from our agenda, as I just talked about, to the agenda of the Lord. And there is a part you play in it, guys. There is a part that you play in it. You can't be passive. Being a son and a daughter is not passive. And folks, let me tell you one thing. Let me just get rid of one false understanding that many of us have. You don't have to be somebody different than you are today to, to receive the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes we say, well, I'm just a conservative, reserved introvert. Those folks over there that are dancing over here, and look at those folks worshiping. They're the ones that get the Holy Spirit. That's not it. Maybe vice versa. Maybe you're one of those really, really uh, full of joy, full of life, and you look at those that are a little bit more just solid and in tune and you say well they're connected I'm not connected I'm all over the place but they're connected folks he loves you and he made you who you are to be today that doesn't mean he's calling you to different things that doesn't mean he's calling you to turn and repent but he made you to be who you are so if you're sitting here saying well that's not for me folks it is for you it is for you you were made you were made to have the Holy Spirit bring all his luggage and his for sale sign and plant it down in your heart. He doesn't come in as a, as a $100 hired maid for three hours to come clean up your house and then goes to the next house to clean up. He comes with every little, little baggage and, and chest and plants it into your heart. And he's there for good. But not only is he there for good, he's also asking you to continuously be filled. And he's asking you to receive the power that he's giving you to fulfill the calling that he gave you. So I want to do something today that's going to be in in alignment with this. If you guys could all stand, I'm sure some of you have heard this. I'm going to have the prayer team come up. I'm sure some of you guys have heard this, spiritual breathing. Spiritual breathing, breathing is the aspect that you are exhaling and then inhaling. What do you do when you're breathing? You breathe in, you breathe out. You breathe out, you breathe in. The exhaling part is, is, is releasing yourself. The exhaling part is confessing sins. The exhaling part is pouring yourself out, and then you inhale. And what do you inhale? You inhale the love of Christ. You inhale, inhale the promises. You inhale the truth, and you inhale, ultimately, the spirit and the presence of God. So feel free to come up now at any point, but I want to pray this through us guys could all close your eyes. Father, we ask you to come, Lord. Your promise has said that you will come.
that anything we ask in accordance to your will, you will give us. Not of our will, God, but of your will. So, Father, first and foremost, we ask that you unveil, unearth any hidden sin that is in our life, anything that is blocking us from a union with you. And, Father, as that sin comes up, we confess that. We repent and we turn away from that, Lord, and we look to you. So this is your spiritual breathing of exhaling, guys. This is, this is you are giving out. You are unearthing yourself. You are pouring yourself out. And now we inhale. And God, we inhale the promise that you love us as your son and as your daughter. And we are sons and daughters. So, Father, we receive your presence. We receive your truth, God. So, Father, fill us. Jesus, fill us. Holy Spirit, come and empower us to walk out the calling that you have called us to. And Father, may there be new revelations today across this room. May there be renewed callings, Lord. May those who have been in a season of waiting not grow in despair, but may hope rise May faith rise, and may, may, may folks' calling be renewed. And Father, we ask for a tangible aspect of your spirit to confirm that. You see, guys, the Holy Spirit is not a sensory thing. It's not a sensory person. But God loves us and is so gracious for us that often he gives you that t- tingle down your back of goosebumps or that rushing winds or that mighty wave or that soft whisper. He gives you a tangible sensory object to go with it because he's so gracious and he's full of love for us. So God, as we, as we exhale and we pour out ourselves, we pour out our sins, we now receive you and receive the fullness of your truth, the fullness of your presence, Lord. Jesus' name, amen. So we're just going to have a time if if you want to come forward. These folks up here are pretty special people. So if you want to come forward, please come forward. But my challenge today, Lord, to, to you guys is please don't be complacent. Please don't sit in who you are. And please, please, please know that you are a beloved son. You are a beloved daughter who their identity is one to be filled with the Spirit. Your identity is not just to be a son and a daughter, and that's it. There's so much more, and it's continuous. It's not done on that instantaneous first filling and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But there is more for you. There is more to come. I guess I'll turn it to Gabe. Gabe.